0: And if you're not a friend of the program and this is your first time on the rodeo, then let me tell you this. You need to go to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and smash subscribe today because the OSP show
1: is back. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out The new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem. Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG.
2: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.
1: roll, baby. It is the early Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson Zastrzemski. It is a late pod for us because we had the Knickerbockers on the West Coast. They lost a tough game, valiant effort against the Sacramento Kings. We'll get to that in a little bit. I'm not in a good mood on Thursday. And it has nothing to do with the retirement of Jim Beheim, which we will get to in a little bit. I am now starting to ramp up for Major League Baseball. We're there. The NCAA tournament starts next week. Opening day is three weeks away. The New York Yankees will not be going into their opener against the San Francisco Giants where they need to be. And today, let's be real about this, was a major sound the alarm type of moment if you're a New York Yankee fan. Why? Because your center fielder, And your one a ace probably ain't going to be there for at least a couple weeks. Anytime you hear forearm strain, and you're talking about a pitcher, that is a problem. Now Carlos Rodon tried to minimize it and basically tried to calm me and all the other Yankee fans down by saying, "Look, if it were Game Five of the Division Series, if it were a postseason series." I'd be out there. This is a matter of getting me through the regular season, the postseason, so we can accomplish what we want to accomplish. Carlos, that's great. I hope, I pray, this ain't a big deal. You're back in the middle end of April. There's nothing to discuss, and we go on our merry way. The problem is, I got a lot of PTSD. Bad injuries, being around it. Knowing the deal. And when you hear forearm strain, the forearm strain leads to the elbow injury. The elbow injury leads to worst case scenario. We all know what worst case scenario is for Carlos Rodon under the knife, Tommy John surgery, $120 million or whatever the hell they paid him down the drain for a year or two. You don't want to even put that in the air. Because remember, they brought Rodon in to go and take them to the next level. You take Rodon away from the New York Yankees. And then you're basically talking about the same team you had last year. A good team, a playoff caliber team, but a team that didn't necessarily close the gap with the Eastern Astros. So I am on pins and needles over the next few weeks, making sure everything's okay with this guy. Because his stuff plays, his stuff is nasty. He should be a monumental asset for the Yankees. And if he don't go, it's problematic. Then you get the Bader. Anytime you hear oblique injury, Oblique Yankee, bad. Oblique baseball player, bad. It's tricky. They're not easy recoveries. They're slow healing recoveries. And if you think about the change in the Yankee lineup in the month of September, to me it boiled down to two guys that really jump started them. It's Waldo Cabrera. And Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader started playing center field for the Yankees, and he's getting after it. And he's putting the ball in play, and he's running the bases, and he's giving the team energy. Then you watch him pick it in center field. It's the best center field that defensively the Yankees have had in a long, long time. I love Harrison Bader's game. But now two years in a row, you're dealing with an injury. And I got to assume opening day, oblique. I don't think he's going to be out there. So that Yankee outfield depth all of a sudden is tested. Who's playing center field? You know, they spending all this time talking about Aaron Judge playing left. Is Aaron Judge now playing center? Is this Wildo Cabrera getting an opportunity to play center field? Is Stane going to play more in the outfield? Does that mean I actually have to see more Aaron Hicks hide the women and children? Yeah, probably. That's not a pretty sight for the Yankees. So the Yankees have now lost Rodon, Bader, and in the bullpen, Cainley, who I loved, they're taking it easy with him with bicep tendonitis, and Trevino, not the way you want to start your year. Look, these things happen over 162. Everybody has injuries. Everybody's dealing with something. Rodon and Bader, especially, these are two key cogs in the Yankee operation. To get that news hit me in the face today. Not ideal. When it rains, it pours. Now I wanted to get to. Something I saw at the Big East tournament today. St. John's, who, let's be real, is completely irrelevant from a New York basketball sense. You know, I'm in nostalgia mode right now because Bayheim retired or got forced out, however you want to look at it. I'm watching the Big East documentary late last night. I'm watching old Syracuse games because they know we need the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm in that sort of mood. I'm watching this documentary. And they're showing clips from Yukon, or excuse me, from Georgetown, St. John's, in 1985. The sweater. We're calling a second John Thompson. And why am I giving you guys the history lesson? I know for people under the age of 25, they're like, J.J., spare me, you old son of a gun. We don't need to hear this right now. I'll tell you why you do. St. John's dominated the back pages of the papers. St. John's was the talking point wintertime in this town. They have not been that in forever. They lose Thursday in the Big East tournament. They choke the Marquette. What they do, they stink anyway. It's time to hire a new coach. Mike Anderson's a good man. He's had a good run in college basketball. He did not do the job. He did not get them to the NCAA tournament. They did not be good teams. They have absolutely no buzz in town. There's a coach out there who'd get him a whole lot of buzz. And his name is Rick petino It's a simple as 123ABC for St. John's. You want to get back playing with the big boys. You want to be a factor in your conference. You want to be a factor in New York City. You want to matter once again? Go and hire Rick Pitino. It has now been 20-something years, 23 to be exact, since St. John's last won an NCAA tournament game. That is an eternity. Cannot be, that should not be. So as I'm watching all the college basketball today and St. John's fades into the abyss, go on high, Rick Pitino. And you'll thank yourself two, three years from now when you're back in the NCAA tournament, when you win NCAA tournament game, when maybe actually a topic of conversation on this podcast. Remember I said, now many of you are probably wondering what my thoughts were with the Beheim retirement. I'm Mr. Syracuse. I bleed orange. I love my school. I love my basketball program. It's a big part of who I am as a broadcaster, as a podcaster. Like I, I can't think of my chapter without Syracuse. And if I think of my chapter of Syracuse, Jim Behan's there. Not just for mine, for the last 47 freaking years. I mean, the guy was coaching a team when Gerald Ford was the president, for goodness sakes. I love behan He's an icon at the school. He's the most influential person in the school's history. He's an icon in college basketball, in the Big East, in the history of the Big East. He's one of the founding fathers. The Louie and Bowie show, Pearl, Carmelo, 10 fucking games with Jerry McNamara, six overtimes. The last couple of years, taking teams that weren't that good and getting them all the way to Sweet 16 in the Final Four. Like there's that, there's the crotchety, squinty eyes, the glasses, the picking of the nose, the whole deal. That's Jim Bayheim in a nutshell. Jim Bayheim did not get to dictate his terms on when he was leaving. That was obvious. I think if we're off to Jim, he would coach another year. I think the tune from the university changed dramatically from February when Jim's basically like, I decide when I'm leaving. Then there's that. There's more blowups. The team is losing. I think the AD, board of trustees, everybody involved in Syracuse decided enough was enough. But Jim didn't want to take it that way. So he went out in the most Jim-Beheim way imaginable. Leaving you guessing. Leaving you wondering if he retired. I don't think he's leaving by choice, but I think he'll accept it. Listen, when it comes to the legends, and I've learned this, Jotori did not leave in the best way. Don Shuler did not leave in the best way. Tom Landry did not leave in the best way. Tom Coughlin, let's not forget, was basically hysterically crying as his team is collapsing in 2015, and he got fired. There's no getting around that. I woke up two or three years. Hopefully, Adrian Autry does a fabulous job at Syracuse, and I'm going to remember the Beheim years fondly. I'm going to remember him scolding me as a student media reporter and making me that much better. See, that's the dirty little secret. People get on Beheim for that stuff, and listen, he comes across as a jerk. People who know him, He's a tremendous guy. He's got a lot of character. He loves basketball. He's watching all sorts of basketball. And I'm not trying to wave the Beheim pom-poms. I understand what the criticisms are. But, like, when he goes after a student reporter, it makes you better. It's one thing when you're being a bully. Like, that maybe is above and beyond. But, like, when I asked a bad question, and Beheim would get on you for it, you know what you would say? Man, how do I ask a better question? I don't know if that was Jim's thought process. I don't know if that's what he was thinking and doing it. Probably not. But I know it had that impact on me where it's like, I'm going to go into that presser and I'm going to ask this guy a much better question so he doesn't scold me to the high heavens. Or if he does, I'm going to have a way to combat him and go at him. A lot of student journalists can have that experience from being up in the 315. And I'll tell you this, it hasn't hit me yet that Jim Beheim's not going to be coaching my university. It will hit me next year when I see Adrian Archer on the sideline. I wish him well. And to the Hall of Famer, hats off. I know it didn't end the way you wanted it to end. 47 years, we're never going to see that at a university ever again. Coaching, Division I at the highest levels, not going to see it in my lifetime, that's for sure. So hats off to Jim Beheim. Finally, before we hit a couple of calls, I guess we'll save maybe the best for last or the worst for last. The Nick King game was phenomenal tonight. Can I just say that? You want a wildly entertaining, back-and-forth, chaotic, insane game. That's what you had. First half of this game, you think the Knicks are going to get absolutely steamrolled. You think the Knicks are going to get blown out of the building. They're down 20-plus points. They got no answer from Sacramento defensively. They got no answer for Sabonis. They got no answer for De'Aaron Fox. Brunson does not come back after halftime because he's dealing with issues with the foot. I don't think the Knicks would give you a melodin effort. That's not in this team's DNA. Even on a night when they couldn't hit an outside shot, they fight. They fight down 20 plus points, get back in the game, they tie the game, they come all the way back. Grimes gives them some great minutes. Hart gives them some great minutes, but unfortunately for them, Not having Brunson, Randall going 2 of 12 from three, Obi Toppin bricking tons of threes, Barrett going 1 of 8 from three, quickly going 1 of 8 from three, and 1 of 11 from the field is not going to win you a game against one of the better teams in the Western Conference. And it came to that credit, made big plays down the stretch. Sabonis made some big plays, Fox made some big plays, Herder made some big plays, Lyles was great off the bench. They had a couple of N1s, getting in a rack, hitting seven free throws. And the Knicks lose a hard-fought game in an environment. I'm telling you right now, Sacramento in the postseason is going to be off the freaking rails. Good for those folks. Because they like been walking in the desert. They're beyond thirsty. And and they see the water in their building. And they're letting out the screams to the high heavens, singing, hallelujah, baby. We got playoff basketball once again. They got a really fun team. The Knicks have a really fun team. This loss does not get me. The Tuesday losses I said earlier in the week did not get to me. This Brunson situation is a problem. Jalen Brunson is so important to what the Knicks do. They go as he goes. He's tough. He wants to be out there. Did the Knicks maybe make a mistake by playing him in this game against Sacramento? You could make that argument. And him reaggravating this injury. Maybe he wasn't ready to play and he wanted to be out there. But they need to get Jalen Brunson right between now and the end of this season. And it sucks because you got momentum and you don't want to sacrifice games, but you want to have your best foot forward, no pun intended, going into the postseason. You will not have your best foot forward if Jalen Brunson is not able to give it a go. And if Jalen Brunson... He's not at 100%. percent they got to find a way to get him right. Does he sit the rest of this West Coast road trip? Should I say that 10 times fast? Might have to think about it if you're Tibbs and company. But now the Knicks, not an easy stretch. L.A., L.A., and then they wrap up with Portland. Can the Knicks get one of the two games in LA and then get the game against the Blazers before heading home? I would sign for that on the dotted line. I would have signed for two wins on this West Coast trip without hesitation. Tough start. Good fight tonight, but not good enough. 122-117, Knicks lose to the Sacramento Kings. But more importantly, the status, the health, the overall well-being of Jalen Brunson. Let's hope it's okay. we we'll have Zach Braziller from the New York Post, who is doing the Big East tournament. He's been with the Knicks basically all year. He's taking a little break from the Knicks. Didn't want to go on the West Coast. I guess he want to cover some college basketball. Before we do that, let's do some voice calls. 917-382-1151. Let's hear him.
0: JJ, Joe Kay from Brooklyn here. Uh, I figured I'd call him about Bayheim. Uh, you know, you and know, I have been texting about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, it was time to go. Uh, it really was, uh, it's, it's weird because today is the first day I woke up, uh, in my 45 years on earth and Jim Bayheim was not the best basketball coach, which it took a second for that to sink in. Um, you know, he's going to be missed for sure. But it just seemed like the game had kind of gotten away from the last couple of years. It's time for some new blood there. You know, I would have much rather have had Mike Hopkins take over, but, uh, you know, we'll see what Adrian Austin's got and go from there, you know? But yeah, let's, uh, I don't know what to say, man. It's, uh, it's kind of weird that he's not longer the head coach and that, you know, there's just so many memories about him. It's just, it's so much, it's so ingrained in like all our experiences out there, you know? Anyway, man, talk to you soon.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Joe. Um, it is weird and it's really going to hit me next year when I'm watching that first Syracuse game or whenever they come to Madison Square Garden, whenever they come to the Barclays Center. And I always try to see Syracuse at least twice, three times a year. I go to the Cary Dome for a game. I usually try to go if they're playing the ACC tournament locally. I'll definitely go to a game then. Uh, and when they play locally, I mean, I went to the Richmond game this year. Especially Barclays. i skipping a jump from where I live. I'm there in 20 minutes, for goodness sakes. When I'm at one of those games and I don't see... Jim in his quarter zip, picking his nose, yelling and screaming at somebody, it's really going to hit home to me. And, I mean, the memories of seeing Beheim coach are are off the charts. My favorite Syracuse run, though, without a doubt, I think this is going to surprise a lot of people. It's not when I was in school. It's not the Johnny Flynn year. 2010 was amazing. It's the best Syracuse team I've ever seen in my lifetime. Bet in 2003. That's how good that 2010 team was. If O'Neill Walker doesn't get hurt, they absolutely win the national championship. I'll take that to the grave. But my favorite Syracuse run was the 2016 Final Four. Because they lost to Pittsburgh. First game of the ACC tournament, everybody thought they were out. There's no way in the world they're making the tournament. I went ballistic at a fantasy baseball draft when they got in. And I didn't know that the bracket had been leaked that year. Remember, that was the year the bracket was leaked. I didn't believe it. I'm like, I don't believe this bullshit. They're not in. They got in. I'm going nuts. Then I go down to the Dominican Republic. The great Joe Vavara's bachelor party. And great time. A couple of presidentes. A couple of Cubano cigars. And I'm just, I'm betting like an animal on all these games. Syracuse plays the first game at noon, and I'm like, we are housing the Q's against Dayton. They win by 20. Michigan State gets beat. They get to the 15 seed middle Tennessee. All right. All of a sudden, it's a surprise trip to the Sweet 16. 10 seed, awesome. House money. They play Gonzaga. Down big, start pressing. That Gonzaga team, remember, they had Sabonis. They had Wiltshire. That's a good Z- Gonzaga team, despite the fact they're 11. They come back, crazy comeback, line with the block, they win the game. But the Virginia game on Easter Sunday, they had never beaten Virginia since they went to the ACC. They're down 14 points. When you're playing Virginia at that pace, when they're up 14, the game is over. The game is over. They start pressing. They speed the game up. I'm like, just make it close. I didn't think there was a chance of hell they're going to win the game. And when they win the game, it was... Easily, for me, one of my favorite sports moments for any of my teams. Like, Yankees championships, Syracuse Final Four, and 99 Knicks. They're all in that, like, pecking order, if you will. Because of how just flat out improbable it was. So, that to me is Boeheim at his best. He did better with teams like that, that didn't have the expectations as opposed to the teams that had the expectations. That's his MO as a coach. Good call, Joe. Who's next?
0: JJ, what's going on? It's Tyler from Syracuse. I was just thinking after listening to the Twitter spaces on Wednesday, and we, we, DJ bet on himself in one big, like you mentioned. But so did Aaron Judge. So I'm curious in your thoughts, whose was more impressive based on the cards they were dealt with at the beginning of their respective seasons and then how they performed and ultimately getting the monster payday. For me personally, I think it's DJ because Judge we knew was going to be on this team for the Yankees in some way, shape, or form at the end of last season or at the beginning of last season going into next season. DJ, that was not his case at all. I mean, he played his fucking balls off and ultimately has earned this big mega deal. So, want to get your thoughts, man. Hopefully,
1: uh, we hear from you and have a great rest of your day. I appreciate that, Tyler. That's a great question. I think it's going to sound insane to pick against a guy who hit 62 home runs last year. In all seriousness, I think it's Daniel Jones because of the adversity he was facing. Aaron Judge May have turned down two hundred million dollars. Aaron Judge was going to get well compensated. I see it one ninety and pulled the Joey Gallo. Aaron Judge was going to get taken care of by the New York Yankees. Maybe not to that extreme, but he was going to get taken care of. Dan Jones, they basically cast him aside in not picking up the fifth year option. They basically said, "Yeah, we don't know if you're, your quarter- uh, you're the quarterback. We-, we have no idea." He said, "Okay, I don't have much to work with." I haven't taken this team to the playoffs in my life and I'm going to go and take them to the playoffs. His statistical year comes nowhere close to Aaron Judge's. But I think his back was far more against the wall. Does that make sense? Aaron Judge had established himself in this town. Daniel Jones had not. And now he's a fixture, at least for the next couple of years, this giant quarterback. So I think my answer surprises you a little bit. Although, actually, I don't think it does because you had the same answer as me. Because we realize and acknowledge handling adversity in New York is not easy. Not everybody is wired to do so. So to see a guy who is much maligned rise from that and answer that bell and answer that challenge, it's impressive. Let's take one more. Let's hear it.
0: Hey, JJ. Uh, I'm Russell from Syracuse, New York. First time caller here. Um... You know, being 24 years old, all I've known is Jim Bayheim on the Syracuse Orange sideline there uh, my entire life. So bit of a bit of a heartbreaker to hear him finally retire, but uh, looking forward to the upcoming season if they can keep Mince around. Uh, yeah, just want to hear your thoughts kind of on the guys that you think maybe Adrian Autry can get to stay. Uh, I'm kind of hoping not Joe Girard. That shot broke my soul a little bit. Uh, anyway, looking forward to your thoughts. Wow,
1: a lot of Syracuse today. Listen, I think the audience knows I bleed orange. That's my school. They mean a lot to me. I want the program back to where it needs to be. Um, I hope Red Autry has that connection and that comfort level with the players. I hope he can keep everybody. Not Gerard. Gerard, after five years. Goodbye. Good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. My God, I can't watch any more Joe Gerard. I hope Mint stays. He's not ready to play in the NBA. He does not have a jump shot. I think another year of college would work wonders. And listen, this is where Autry needs to do a much better job than what the program had been doing over the last few years. They got to hit the NIL. They got to hit the transfer portal. That's how you win now in college basketball. If you're not willing to get involved with transfers, you're not going to win. Every school is doing it. It's the Wild Wild West. You could turn around programs quickly, but it's about getting the right guys. Can Adrian Autry be a head coach? You don't know. You have no idea. Did anybody know if John Shire could coach? Did anybody know if Brian Dable could coach? Well, Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel, you don't know until you get that opportunity. He's getting the opportunity. He's a cute guy. He's got ties to New York. I hope he does well. Stefan, we're going to have to get him on the podcast when he's making his media rounds. We got to work on that. Because I want to talk to Autry. I, I got a lot to say. And, and one advice, to, a piece of advice to Adrian, don't exclusively run the 2-3 zone. That's something I want to see changed. Syracuse should not exclusively run the 2-3 zone as soon as next year. That's my piece of advice. Take that for what it's worth. So before we get to Zach Braziller, who's everywhere, he's doing college hoops, he's, you know, been around the Knicks, it sure seems like the Jets are option one for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, does not. They fly out to Los Angeles. It seems like he's not going back to the Packers. There's literally no other rumblings and rumors about Rodgers going anywhere but the Jets, I kind of think we've gotten to a point where it's Rodgers a bust. Like, I think if Rodgers is not a Jet, he's walking away, which would seem insane because he has so much money coming to him and nor do I think he's going to retire. But I, I, I just don't think he's back with the Packers at this point. I mean, the Packers basically have told you, yeah, we don't want him back. And they're the same organization that just went out and gave them a ton of money last year at this time. So for both parties, yeah, it seems like the Jets are desperate for Aaron Rodgers. Desperate. The owner is desperate. The franchise is desperate. They need a quarterback. They're desperate. They need they need the star power at the position. They don't want to go in the draft again. I understand why. And they're not in on the Garoppos and the Mayfields. They want a star. And it sure seems like if Rogers is playing, he's going to be a jet. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. I went on Simmons Pod actually earlier today to discuss it. I would do it. I think I'm on record of saying it ten zillion times. Is there Blob factor? Of course there is. His personality, New York City, his age. Is he the MVP was two years ago, or is he the above-average quarterback he was last year. I think with better talent around him and a better defense, you get a high-quality year or two out of Aaron Rodgers. But the AFC stuff, listen, one thing I'll say, and it's a caution, warning, whatever you want to call it for Jeff fans: Aaron Rodgers guarantees you nothing. I think it makes you a playoff team. I think you're far more viable to go and win the division. But does Aaron Rodgers come into the Jets? Oh, hands down, they're going to go to the Super Bowl next year? No. AFC is way too good. It's way too competitive. So, it makes you more of a player. And I think for the next two years, where this Jet roster is at, that's the move you got to go make. It's not ideal because you didn't develop a quarterback. You got to roll the dice and hope that Aaron Rodgers embraces and is about the New York scene, franchise, savior, all of it, bring it on, baby. For New York, New York's sake, I am right at Aaron Rodgers in New York, Oh, That'd be fantastic. You want content? That's the ultimate form of content. All right, Zach Braziller, our NBA college extraordinaire, friend of their program, It's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, just because you wrestle
3: alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with old spice super hydration body wash with vitamin b3 made for 24 7 renewing moisturization with daily use with scents of vanilla and Shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies and there
1: is nothing wrong with that old spice super hydration body wash shop old spice now So late Thursday night. It's now an early Friday morning. This guy has been basically working every single day. So I thought it was perfect timing. You had a Knicks late night game, but he's doing the Big East tournament. Zach Brazil, does it feel weird being back doing college basketball again with all the Knicks you've been doing, my man? How we doing?
2: I'd say just bouncing around. And yeah, I mean, look, back doing college for doing the tournament. And, you know, it was uh. Definitely, uh, interesting uh, day at the Garden. You know, we two, three really good games, and yeah, obviously, Creighton hammers Villanova, and look, St. John's basically does what they did last year, where they they have the one seat on the ropes and can't finish them.
1: That's been the mo for Mike Anderson in the Big East tournament. That's been the mo for St. John's since he's taken over. Good enough to lose, good enough to compete with these teams, but they can't go and finish these games, and. He seemed like a guy, ZB, who wanted to be back next year. Uh, he shouldn't be back, though. St. John should be in the market for a new coach. You and I have talked about it multiple times. It should be Rick Pitino. The sense you're getting around St. John's, twofold. One, do we think Anderson has coached his last game with the program? Two, if the answer to that question is yes, is Rick Pitino the frontrunner to get St. John's back to a path of much-needed relevancy?
2: Yeah, I think Anderson's done. Look, he, his first two years, I thought, were decent. But when you look at what they've done the last two years, you, you can't bring him back. 3-22 and 22 in quad one games, 2-14 and 14 against ranked teams. The last two years, people thought they were good enough to make the tournament. I thought they had enough talent to make the tournament, and they really didn't come close. You, you, if you bring him back, you're sending a message to your fan base you don't care about winning. The new president, uh, Brian Shanley, is a guy who developed that program at Providence. They brought him in here to elevate the program. I I think Anderson is done. And there's mutual interest. There's no doubt about it. St. John's is interested in hiring him. Shanley almost hired him at Providence 12 years ago when he went with Cooley. Patino kind of backed out the last second. They thought they had him. Didn't want to move his family from Louisville. There's mutual interest. You're also hearing Texas Tech is interested. I do not think Patino's going to Georgetown. It doesn't sound like they want to hire him. I think there's a good shot. It's fluid. I I'm not going to say he's definitely the coach. I'm not going to say he's definitely not the coach. I think it's very realistic. There's some still some higher ups at St. John's on the board who are kind of hesitant, but I do think this is something that can happen. Look, you never know what's going to see what. Let's see what happens here. Let's see what else opens up. Petito's going to leave Iona. I don't think there's any question about it. Now the question is where does he go? I, but I do think there is a very good chance that he could be the next St. John's coach.
1: That's amazing news if you're a fan of the Red Storm. If you're a St. John's fan that hasn't won a tournament game in 20-plus years, you mark my words. You hire Rick Petino, you're winning an NCAA tournament game. That's all there is to it. He's one of the best coaches of my lifetime. Say what you want about his past. Say what you want about what happened at Louisville. The guy's a flat-out winner. ZB, why no interest from Georgetown? He's not going to Texas Tech. There's no way in the world Rick Pitino who moved back to New York city is going to leave the metropolitan lifestyle of New York or Washington or one of those places to go live in in Texas. I I can't see Rick Pitino coaching Texas tech under any set of circumstances. Uh, But why no interest from Georgetown out of curiosity?
2: Yeah. I'm a little surprised you hear the president, you know, is just, just doesn't want him as the face of the program. You know, you've, I've heard Micah Shrewsbury, they're, um, you know, even Ed Cooley, although I just can't see Cooley leaving Providence. He's a hero there. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. You know, you heard throughout the year that that was definitely something that could happen, it, but it, it just, right now it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I think one thing you got to realize this time of year, stuff can always change. And I, until recently, I really never thought St. John's and Patino was something that could happen. I didn't think he was all that interested in the job. I didn't think the hire to the school would go for him, but Basically, the last three days, you've heard a tons of talk from everyone that it's very possible. Now, let's you know, let's see crazy things could happen. What you know, let's say Iona gets to a Sweet Sixteen, something crazy like that. Maybe that changes things. Maybe a job opens up we're not expecting to open up. But right now, I think there's a very decent shot that uh, he's going to be in Queens.
1: So that's good news if you're a Red Storm fan. I'm curious. You were at the Big East tournament all day. You know what's the number one subject to me that's been near and dear to my heart for the last 48 hours? The yeah, idea that Bayheim is finally out after 47 years of coaching Syracuse was that major chatter, ZB, throughout Madison Square Garden. Were you hearing a lot of Bayheim anecdotes? Were a lot of people surprised with that announcement for Wednesday?
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I you know, there's been so much Fatino chatter, but yeah, look, people were obviously talking. Bayheim was such a you know, a huge figure in the sport, such a huge figure in the Big East. Look, I, I was surprised, too. I, I thought she he, he wasn't ready to hang him up. Now, maybe the school stepped in and said, look, it's time. I, I thought it was time, but I just wasn't sh- You know, we all know how stubborn he is. I I, I wasn't sure if he was really going to <laughs> allow them to force him to walk away. And look, the way he did it was bizarre. He had that press conference where it kind of looked like it ret- sounded like a retirement but it kind of wasn't. It, it, was a, it was a strange, strange situation. But I do think in the long run, it's really best for Syracuse.
1: Yeah, it was time. There's no doubt. But it was clunky. Let's be honest, Zach. It was clunky. And I know Beheim is not going to be a farewell tour kind of guy. But to, for him to go and give that press conference and then to basically just send it out on Twitter that he's retiring, it, it seemed, at least to me, that he was being forced out. Do you get that sense?
2: Yeah, I mean, there wasn't. I'm pretty sure in that the press release, there wasn't even a quote from Beheim in there, um, which was obviously pretty, pretty interesting as well. Look, it, it's always a gentle situation when you have a, a legend like that who maybe isn't ready to call it quits, and you know it, it just happens abruptly. So yeah, it was definitely, definitely clunky, definitely strange. But look, he he, he turned that program into just an absolute powerhouse. Just an absolutely, to me, a phenomenal coach. I know there are people who maybe didn't love him. I I always liked him. Um, I always thought he was pretty good with the media. It's it's sad it didn't go like there was no film farewell tour and it was just kind but of. You know,
1: like, Bayhan Zach, he was never yeah. going to sign off for that sort of
2: thing. You've covered
1: him forever. You yeah. know him well.
2: No, I, Does he strike you as a farewell tour kind of guy? I don't <laughs> think so. No, it was just the way it happened. You know, it was definitely weird. It, it definitely did have a feel like. Maybe he was at least on the fence, not sure if he was ready to step aside. And they kind of said, "Look, it's it's time that we uh, we, we we kind of start a new a new era here."
1: Um, do you know anything that I would like to know about Red Autry?
2: Look, he's people love him. He's a good recruiter. He's he was a New York guy, very you know very personable. I you know I've have had I've had the chance to talk with him a bunch of times over the years when he was in here recruiting or just you know, seeing him at different events. I look, like, you never know how a coach a guy's gonna do. You, you really don't, but he's been a guy he's been someone who's coached for a long time at the high major level. You know, he, he was at Virginia Tech before. He's he's a to me I it definitely makes a lot of sense to why they decided to elevate
1: him. Well they're keeping it in the family. That's what they've done with these legendary schools. You yes. saw it with Duke and Shire, you saw it with UNC and Hubert Davis. Villanova goes and gets Neptune, even though he was one year at Fordham. Let's be honest. He's a Villanova guy through and through. I'm not the least bit surprised. Syracuse going with one of their own. Okay. Big East Friday. We'll get to the Knicks in a minute. Creighton, UConn. Who's a more dangerous NCAA tournament team?
2: I'm actually going to say UConn. I just think they're... Wow, you're
1: in on UConn. So the computers. I, I just, You're in on UConn,
2: okay? I just like I just like their depth more. I think they're better. I think they're be- a little better defensively. Although Calc Runner is obviously a game changer inside, and I just I just think Crane gonna could wear down a little bit. Uh, you know, they they really only have that starting five. They don't get much out of their bench. And UConn's playing great right now. I know they finished a little shaky today uh, against Providence, but UConn's playing really well. They won six in a row. They've won 9 of 10. They really look like that team from November and December that everyone thought was going to be a one seed. It'll be interesting to see what happens here with them. If Let's say they win the Big East tournament. I think that gets them a three, maybe even the last two. Now, they're going to be at Albany that first weekend. The big question is, would the committee give them the Garden and the East Regional? Because that would obviously put, you know, whoever is the one seed at a disadvantage. So that is definitely something that to me is very intriguing here. Where they, you know, what region they end up? Because if they're in the East region and they get to that second weekend, it's going to be UConn home game.
1: Oh, it's going to be UConn South and Madison Square Garden, and you were there tonight. It sure seemed like it was a UConn partisan crowd against Providence today, Zach. It sure well, seemed that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, Providence did have a, a decent contingent, but yeah, it's it's a UConn home game. I mean, we all we all know what the Garden is like when UConn is good. You know, I think back to you know years years ago, um, the boat the boat right team. That, that won the national title when they got to go through the garden. And it was, you know, it, it basically sounded like stores. And, and I think that's obviously what would happen here too if, if they get the garden. It's very interesting because look, they do have some bad losses. They had that really, that slide in January. But think about this resume. They beat Alabama and uh, I was staying at neutral sites. They've gotten some, you know, they hammered Marquette. They've providence twice. They've got some really good wins so where I think right now at worst they're a four seed, probably a three seed. And look, who knows? You know, they 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 beat Marquette and Creighton to finish off the biggest former title. Maybe they're a two.
1: In on UConn. Ken Palm in on UConn. I like this Creighton team a lot though. Creighton, they can shoot the lights out. They got so many different ways they can beat you. And they're better defensively ZB than people give them credit for. They're not a bad defensive team,
2: dude. No, no, no. I I'm not down on them either. I, I think <laughs> these are I think both teams can make the Final Four. I I think these are both, with the right matchups, are teams that can play deep into March. Probably the two teams I like the most are the Big East, although I wouldn't overlook Marquette, even though they played poorly today against St. John's. First time playing at the Garden this year. A lot of shots just didn't fall. I expect them to play much better tomorrow night.
1: You're a good historian of college basketball. Can you think of a more disappointing and underachieving team than North Carolina this year, Zach? I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, there have been teams that have been in the top 10 that fall out of it and are in the NIT and they end up having lousy years. This was supposed to be a shoo in, shoo in top 25 team. For North Carolina not to make the NCAA tournament this year is an absolute
2: disgrace. It's a disgrace, I mean, dude. They're, look, the first preseason number one since the tournament expanded in 1985 to not make the tournament. I mean, that's that says it all I you know Kentucky had one or two really disappointing teams there was one that made the NIT people thought would be really good but yeah look this Carolina team is right up there and last year look last year with a lot of talent this team needed just a crazy finish to get in and then obviously they got all the way to the title game but you know you heard stuff about Caleb Love last year that he was kind of selfish that he really didn't you know mesh with that team and he had a really bad year this year, and they just really never figured it out. I mean, Hubert Davis has got to take a hit for this. It's two years in a row where he really didn't have great regular seasons with good players. Um, I'd be a little concerned if I was a Carolina fan.
1: Very interesting, and they could get ready for the NIT next week. All right, ZB, we know you've been spending a ton of time with the Knicks. You don't make the West Coast trip because you're doing Correct. the Big East tournament. Would you be more concerned about what you saw Tuesday night, Charlotte? Followed up by another loss here against Sacramento. Sacramento's a really good team. Knicks were down big in this game. They come storming back. Then they can't hit some shots. You know, they can't capitalize on second and third opportunities. And Sacramento's a fun team. I mean, Aaron Fox is fun. Sabonis is fun. Wiles had some big plays down the stretch. Killed them. No shame in losing to Sacramento. But are you more concerned? West Coast trip coming up. Little dose of reality for a team that was as hot as anyone or is it this Brunson news, comes back tonight, plays the first half, doesn't play in the second half, what would have you more along?
2: Uh, Brunson, 100%. Look, they they, play, you know, they were obviously really tired. They played really poorly against Charlotte. It happens. It's a long season. Um, tonight, they lose to a really good team. I don't think people quite understand. The Kids are really good. Um, so, look, I completely chalk that up. I, I loved the fight in the second half when they were down big. But yeah, Brunson's the, Brunson's the concern. Uh, this is a guy who always wants to play. He's an old school guy. The fact that he he played that first half and then couldn't go in the second half has got to be a concern. You got to wonder if he's even going to play any more games on this West Coast trip. The fact that he took two games off, couldn't come back here, is is obviously a concern. No doubt about it. And he's, I know Quickly was amazing. It's the Celtics. And Quickly's had a great year. But this team is about Brunson. It's about his leadership. And look, they don't lose that game to Charlotte if he plays. I have no question no question in my mind they don't lose that game. He oh, 100%. Plays, Zach, how many games this
1: that game? year did it feel like the Knicks are going to lose and Jalen Brunson would find a way to make a big play late right. in the game and they would go win it? I could find you at least five or six games I could think off the top of my head against some mediocre teams where it's like, well, thank God Jalen Brunson right. is a member of the New York Knicks. They didn't have that on Tuesday. They didn't have it in the second half tonight. And let's be honest, dude, it showed.
2: Yeah, and look, Quickly was not good tonight, no question about it. Tibbs was a little surprising tonight, not playing Robinson. I felt like he should have went to Grimes early in that fourth quarter. No Barrett. To me, he he fell in love a little too much with Quickly tonight. I, I would have gone a little with some different lineups, but I think he's done a really good job this year. And look, for the Knicks, it's all about just getting the five seed, and I don't see why they won't. The Nets are, are well, it's obviously not the same Nets team. You know, the, the Heat are losing games. The Knicks are still gonna, you know, as long as they don't fall apart here, they're going to be the five seed. They're not going to catch Cleveland. Look, it's 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 a it's a really good year if they get the five seed. Then you see what happens, which would be a really really fun series. But yeah, it's to me two losses, no big deal. I expect them to go two and two on this trip. You beat Portland and you find a way to beat the Lakers. Clippers is going to be a tough game. I'm just I am worried about Brunson though. There's no question about it. If he's not if he couldn't tonight in that second half, it's got to be really bothering.
1: And that's problematic. If they're going to be a team that has a chance to win a playoff series and is going to challenge, let's say, the Celtics in the second round, they cannot do that without Jalen Brunson. That goes without saying. Um, final one, ZB. You spent a little time around the Knicks when they were in the playoffs against Atlanta two years ago. This year, you basically have spent the entire year around this Knickerbocker team. They've been fun. They like each other. They play hard every night. Is this team, in your opinion, much better suited to handle the postseason as opposed to the team from two years ago? I would say yes because of the Brunson factor, but does it doesn't go beyond that, in your opinion?
2: No, yeah, no. I think they're much better prepared for it. First of all, Brunson. Second of all, Mitchell Robinson's healthy. They're much better offensively. Quickly's better than he was. Obie's better than he was. Barrett's better than he was. You have heart. I think it's a much better team than that team, and that was a like weird year. Obviously, it was COVID, and you know, no fans for most of the season. And that Hawks team, people didn't realize how good they were. They were playing unbelievable. And I'm not taking anything away from the Cavs. The Cavs are a bad road team, you know. So you get in that series, and you have a, you find a way to win one or two games on the road, and they play them really well in Cleveland. You are going to have a great chance, great shot to win that series. And it's a beat Cleveland here, two out of three. They have a ton of you know. Now with Hart and Brunson and Quick and Hart and um, Grimes and Quickly, they have good defenders on the perimeter that that you can throw at Garland and Mitchell. That first game when Mitchell went nuts, Grimes was still hurt. They didn't have Hart, so yeah, I think they're much better prepared. But look, they need they need hundred percent Brunson for that series. There's no doubt about.
1: Zach Braziller, a man of many talents, uh, keep up the good work. Uh, where to? It's Biggie Saturday. Are you back? Are you, you know not what, we on the?
2: We might we might we might have a little stop in Brooklyn on uh Saturday to watch the Fordham Rams.
1: By the way, I didn't mention that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Do they have a realistic chance of to get into the A-10 final? Yay or nay?
2: Yes, they have a realistic chance to get to the final. Dayton beat them up earlier in the year, but Dayton's a very up and down team. They weren't good today against St. Joe's. I think Fordham has a has a realistic shot to get there. I just don't like them against VCU. They they need St. Louis to knock off VCU in that other semifinal for me to think they have a real shot to uh, to get to the tournament.
1: Could you imagine, Zach, if we're talking about Fordham on Sunday afternoon with a chance to go to the NCAA tournament on Big CBS? That'd be a huge deal.
2: I mean, they had. I heard they had about two thousand students at the game today. Great atmosphere. They've done a. You know, Keith Ergo's done an absolutely fantastic job. I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to what Saturday is like. It should be a fun atmosphere. If they ever get to Sunday, that would be just amazing when you know what this program has been through the last you know, three decades.
1: I like the sound of that. Listen, I got a lot of Fordham in my family. I am not a Fordham guy, but with Syracuse not having a dog in a fight, I'll get on the bandwagon, bro. ZB, keep up the good work, man. I'm sure we'll talk. Knicks, tournament, all that good stuff. Keep going, all right, baby?
2: All right, man. Be in touch.
1: That's the great Zach Braziller. He's spending all year with the Knicks, doing college basketball now. figuring out all the coaching stuff. We have a little bit of fun. All right. Jeff Money, before we say goodbye, a lot more to do. We're coming right back.
3: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
1: Before we hit Jeff Money and before we say goodbye, Larry, I didn't forget about you. We didn't do trivia on Tuesday, but I have it ready to go. A little trivia Thursday. Different day, hopefully same result. Let's hear it, Poppy.
0: This is Larry. No layups Tuesday. Okay, JJ, question one is, who was the last pitcher to have back-to-back 20-win season? Second question is, Last year, six guys walked more than they struck out. Hint, five of them in the AL. Can you name the six? I'm out.
1: Wow. No layups today from Larry. Six guys walked more than they struck out and five were in the American League. Okay. I'm going to go with number one right out of the gate. Jose Altuve. <laughs> wow, surprised by that. Guess he doesn't walk enough. Guess he doesn't walk enough. Um, guess number 2. Rafael Devers.
3: <laughs>
1: We're off to a high flying start. Walk more than strike out. Easy. We can rule out anybody on the Yankees. <laughs> Let's be honest. Rule out anybody on the Yankees. Five in the American League. I'm annoyed by this. Oh, I think I have one. Stephen Kwan. Cleveland. There we go. He was tremendous last year. I had him in fantasy. Absolutely tremendous. All right, Quan, one down, five to go. Four more in the American League. Another guy I don't think that strikes out a ton. Jose Ramirez. Nope. It's trickier than I thought. Much trickier than I thought. walk more than they strike out. I think I got the guy in the National League. Is it Soto? All right, we got two down, four to go. All right, at least I'm showing some fight here. I'm showing some fight here. It's not Judge, because Dr- as much as Judge walked last year, he strikes out a shit ton. So there's no way in the world Aaron Judge is on this list. Um, I think I have one, though, from a Yankee perspective. Is DJ LeMayu on this list? See, DJ in other years might have fit the bill. LeMayu this year? No, no. Not so much. I got another guess. He was on the Yankees last year. Now he's not. Andrew Benintendi. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: All right, I'm taking one more guess and then I'm just going to fade the rest of this question away because I don't want to be here forever taking guesses. Mike
3: Trout.
1: Mm. All right, Stefano, I don't even want any more hints. I, I I call Larry, my daddy, on that question. Who are the other names? So you miss Alex Bregman. That's right. Bregman walks a lot. He does. Yandy Diaz. That one I never would have gotten. Even though he was terrific last year for Tampa, I never would have gotten that one. Okay. Alejandro Kirk. Never in a million. He had a great year for Toronto. Never would have gotten it. Okay. And Luis Arias. Minnesota Twins. Listen, I'm glad I played the fifth. Because I-, I think Bregman is probably only one of the names that I would have thrown out there for shits and giggles. So, Larry Job, well done with question one. All right. The last pitcher to win back-to-back 20-win seasons. It's amazing. Nobody wins 20 games anymore. Nobody. I'm going to say Tim (laughs) Lincecum.
3: All
1: right. I'm thinking Cy Young winners. Roy (laughs) Halladay. Not Roy Halladay. All right. Another Cy Young award winner. Cliff Lee. (laughs) Wow. Am I on the right track, Stefan, or no? Yes, mid-2000s pitcher. You're in the right I'm ballpark. in the right ballpark. Right I'm ball in the right park. ballpark. I thought so. I thought so. Back-to-back 21 seasons, mid-2000s. Bartolo Colon. Mm. Didn't do it back-to-back years. Chin Ming Wong never won 20. He won the high teens back-to-back years for the Yankees. Never won 20. Mark Mulder. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is getting annoying. See, this is one I want to get right because I feel like I'm right there. Mid-2000s, back-to-back 21 seasons. Oh, I saw him at Super Bowl. Big fella, CC Sabathia.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Jeez. All right, I'm taking one more guess and then I'm going to get a hint here. It's not King Felix cuz he never won. He was on crummy teams. Not King Felix. Back to back 20 win seasons. John Lester. <laughs> All right, Stefan. At least guide me in the right direction with a hint. Um, this guy—he uh, pitched for what is now a Yankees rival. Who is the big, the Yankees' biggest rival at this point? In the mid two thousands? No, I, currently they're, the, they're Houston, the Houston Astros. Okay, I'll give you that. Roger Clemens. Mm. Wow. That was my guess. Astros, Roger Clemens. Okay. Roy Oswald. Wow. I would not have put Roy Oswald as a guy who won 20 games back-to-back years. And he was a terrific pitcher. Just didn't really cross my mind as a guy that would win back-to-back 20-win seasons. So, took me a while. Need a little hint, but we got there. All right, Jeff Money. Friday, college, NBA. What's shooting your fancy, baby? What up, JJ? Jeff
0: Money here with a handicapper picks. I got two plays. I got one for Friday the 10th and for Saturday the 11th. For Friday the 10th, tomorrow we're going with uh, Temple plus the 5 over Cincinnati. And on Saturday the 11th, I'm going to go with Yale minus the 5 over Cornell. Again, two plays. For Friday, we're going to go with Temple plus the five, and I'm going to go on Saturday with Yale, minus the five, and everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
1: Jeff Money really digging deep with the college basketball. Now, I was given a bunch of plays on the Ringer Gambling Show. I got a couple I like tomorrow. I am betting Rutgers. See, the mush is over. They ended up beating Michigan. They should be in decent shape to get in now. Win over Purdue, they're a 1,000% in. I'm grabbing five and a half. Going up against that fraudulent Purdue team. I like Rutgers. And then at night, I love Penn State. I love Penn State against Northwestern. I think Penn State's better than a record. I was super impressed with the way they played tonight against Illinois. I think Northwestern's a little bit better in their record. I'm on the Nittany Lions. I'm on Miami, too, against Duke. Sorry, Stefan. Duke, I know everybody loves them. They smoked Pitt. I lost money on the game today. Miami has been pound for pound the best team in the ACC all year. They got a variety of different ways to beat you. They smoked Duke earlier in the season. I'm grabbing two and a half. I think that's a one possession game. So I am absolutely in. Give me uh, to you. Absolutely positive, give me to you. And in the Big East, I kind of think they're baiting you to take UConn tomorrow. Or fade UConn. That line at three and a half seems too good to be true against Marquette. I might be on the Golden Eagles plus three and a half. So there you have it Marquette, Penn State, Miami, Rutgers. That is a college basketball card for a Friday conference tournament play. Enjoy the games. Hopefully, the Yankees don't have any more injuries and everything checks out with Jalen Brunson. We don't need that spoiling March going into April. And stay tuned on the Rogers watch. When news breaks, We'll be there. When that will be, God only knows. So assuming that we don't have Aaron Rodgers news, we'll talk to you on Sunday. I'll have gambling picks for Saturday and Sunday on the Ringer Gambling Show feed. You want to check that out as well. Good job, Stephon. JJ out. Enjoy your weekend. Be good, everybody.